For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. People, let me tell you about Blue Chew. Blue Chew is saving lives. Not kidding. Not an exaggeration. I mean, I don't have any conclusive proof of that, but I can guarantee you that there are guys, maybe even some of you listening, who have had such struggle with performance in the bedroom that it makes you feel like you don't want to go on. And I'm sorry to sound so dramatic, but that's how important performance in the bedroom is. I know. I understand. And that's why Blue Chew is so important. It is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, and it's at a fraction of the cost of the actual pharmaceuticals. You don't have to go to the pharmacy. You don't have to go to the doctor's office. It's all done online, and the product comes right to your door. I also have a special deal. For you, the Mikey Likes You listeners, try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Mikey at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Mikey to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Oh, and you better believe I'm happy to talk about Magic Spoon. It tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite childhood cereals. With zero grams of sugar, 13 or 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Now, I know what you're saying. Oh, sure. They just take some, uh, you know, artificial sweetener, mix it with some protein powder, and voila. No, no, no. This is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. Only 140 calories per serving, and it tastes dankity-dank delicious. Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, grab a custom bundle of cereal, try it today. Be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout and save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon's so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason, just get your money back. No questions asked, buddy. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Mikey and use the promo code Mikey to save $5 off your order. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. And I got to thank Lucy as well. Lucy is delicious. It's nicotine, which is one of the best drugs in the world. It has amazing benefits metabolically and cognitively, but it has a terrible, terrible stigma because most of the time you're getting your nicotine from yucky places like smoking cigarettes or vaping or chewing tobacco. But no, Lucy... Make sure to come through with either lozenges or gum, 4, 8, and 12 milligrams of a very good dosage of pure nicotine in delicious flavors like spearmint, mango, cool cider. Don't let this year slip away without taking the advantages of nicotine and using them for your benefit. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.co, use a promo code Mikey, get 20% off. That's right, 20% off your order of Slim Pouches or any other Lucy product. Lucy.co, use the promo code Mikey at checkout. 
Also, I have to give this disclaimer. This product contains non-tobacco nicotine, and nicotine is, in fact, an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use the promo code Mikey. And last but certainly not least, sports are important. There's no reason you shouldn't be involved with Bet Online if you're at all a sports if you're at all a sports fan. NFL football is getting underway. We are very close to the NBA season. Of course, college sports are balling it up and baseball in the playoffs. We're in October. You know what that means? We're right near the World Series. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds there for you. Props contest bet online continues to be the number one source for everything going on in the world of sports and betting. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget, use that promo code NFL100 with the numbers 100, NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Oh, you've arrived. How lovely. Welcome to Mikey Likes You, the greatest health and fitness podcast on the planet. Um, according to me, hopefully, there's a, at least a couple of you out there that are in agreement that this is the greatest. But again, I will reiterate, Michael Jackson called himself the king of pop until everyone just is like, oh yeah, he's the king of pop. Stern, uh, he earned it, but he he was the king of all media, according to him. And then we all were like, oh, yeah, you know that. Uh, yeah, you are. You're the king of all media. So I'm just going to keep saying I'm the king of health and fitness. Pod. I'm the I'm the the king of health. No, that doesn't sound good. I'm the king of swole. King swole. Everyone go ahead and refer to me as that. It's a Q&A podcast. Um, I love doing these. I solicited on my Instagram, again, Mike at Mike Catherwood, at MikeyLikesYou1. If you want to submit some questions, um, I got a good collection, as I always do. You guys always deliver when it comes to giving me questions, um, and then I answer them. Before we get to the questions, I'd like to start off with something that always puts us all in a very good mood. Now, if you are listening in the audio-only podcast, if you're listening via, you know, just just the podcast, you are not going to enjoy this as much. And you may be saying to yourself, well, Mike, why would you put something on that's, you know, a substandard product? You say, I'm not going to enjoy it because you need to start subscribing and hitting the alert bell on my YouTube channel and going to my YouTube channel, even if you're just listening to this right now, eventually you're going to get to the point where you're near a computer or you have time to look at your smartphone. Go to my YouTube channel, Mike Catherwood on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the like button, hit the little uh, bell thingy so that you're alerted to every time I upload something. And then you can watch this, which I like to call From Russia with Dumb, a highlight of some of the craziest shit that Russians do in the world of health and fitness. Um, and you will enjoy it. This is a guarantee. Uh, we've gone over this before, but Russians are insane and they're very, very competitive. These are some of the rather aggressive 
some would say egregiously excessive things that Russians do in the world of health and fitness. I like to start off with this one. It is called the Russian side lateral. Intense. Uh, after a hard workout, there's nothing better than a nice shower. Am I right? You can get it hot, get it cold, get yourself a little bit of recovery. Also, you feel fresh, you feel clean. This is Russian post-workout shower. <laughs> From Russia with dumb. All right, uh, I'm going to move on to something that I saw online that I think is very important to highlight and then discuss and break down. This was a post that I saw from a vegan website that said, broccoli has more protein than steak. Okay, check it out. Here's the first slide. Now, I went online and I started researching this, and there's a lot to be said. This is a very good example of how... um, Statistics and studies can be incredibly misleading and how, well, look, this doesn't, this isn't just for health and fitness. This is for the world at large right now when we live in this multimedia world with access to information from all angles. Um, Sherlock Holmes said that you can't develop theories before you collect data. If you're talking about per calorie, broccoli does in fact have more protein than steak. 100 calories of broccoli has 9 grams of protein. 100 calories of steak only has 7. But take time to think about that. Do you know how much broccoli 100 calories is? It's a fucking shit ton, more than you're willing to eat to get seven or excuse me to get nine grams of protein now let's look at it from a protein density basis um here's the next slide and you see to get 25 grams of protein from broccoli you need 890 grams of broccoli is like seven and a half cups of chopped up broccoli to get 25 grams of protein, which is a good serving for like a nice, for an average sized person. To get 25 grams of protein from steak, check it out. You need 3.5 ounces of steak. That's like the palm of your hand size. 3.5 ounces of steak is all you need to get yourself 25 grams of protein, which again is a very nice serving. So let's break it down again. Technically, if we're talking about per calorie, broccoli does have, in fact, more protein than steak when it comes to per calorie. But that's almost meaningless. When it comes to what has more protein density, what has more protein kind of pound for pound, bang for your buck, steak destroys it. 
destroys it because no one's going to eat 890 grams of broccoli in a in a in a day, probably not in a week, let alone in a serving in order to get themselves 25 grams of protein. Any one of us can eat 3.5 ounces of steak. Now, if you're a vegan, obviously there's other considerations to take, but there's much, much better sources of protein than broccoli. Broccoli is nutritious. Broccoli is fantastic. It has a lot of micronutrients. It gives you a little fiber and roughage. It makes you feel full, but it is not somewhere you want to search to get protein. It's very misguided to be looking at it as a source of protein. And this is just another example of how misleading and how distorted a lot of information can be when it comes to to health and fitness when it really comes to anything. Um, And it's always great to be able to kind of break it down with a little bit more of an objective eye. And that's frankly all I ever wanted to do with this podcast is that I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm now fully accountable for all the decisions I've made in my past, whether they be good or whether they be bad. With that being said, I want to be able to help you make more informed decisions to be able to combat the narrative or the counter-narrative when it comes to any issue. All I have is my mistakes. That's all I have to give you. That was Jack Kerouac who said that, not me. Can't take credit. Jack Kerouac, all I have is my mistakes. And that's the truth. I'm not qualified in any way uh, when it comes to certifications. Well, no, I'm a certified personal trainer. But my point is, is that I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a health professional. I'm not an MD. I am not even really a man of science, but I'm a man who's lived and I've pushed the envelopes in many ways, mostly in the world of addiction, relationships, mental health, and of course, fitness. And I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've been very fortunate to have some semblance of self-awareness to be able to kind of learn from those mistakes. That's all I have. Say what you want about Conor McGregor. Um, His outside of the octagon antics are despicable, but him as a competitor has a lot to be admired. And he always said, I either win or I learn. Those are the only two outcomes of my fights. I win or I learn. And I think that's a really good kind of ethos to follow. And, uh, you got to be able to kind of learn from your mistakes. And that's something that I've been able to do. And so I just wanted to highlight that because I want you guys to be able to make those more informed decisions. All right, let's get to the questions. Here we go. Uh, At Golzagal, I only live barefoot. Is that good or bad? It's it's neither good or bad. And it, it varies from exercise to exercise. I love to train barefoot as well. It actually will help strengthen your feet and it actually will help you with things like proprioception and balance. Um, So I encourage you to do it. Um, But there are very, a very small select group of exercises that I do recommend wearing the proper footwear. One of those being the high bar squat or the Olympic squat. If you're going to back squat, you don't want to be barefoot. If you front squat as well. You want to have some elevation in your heel. Um, You do not want to have elevation towards the forefront of your foot, in the forefoot. You want, so things like cross trainers or running shoes, typical sneakers, they're very, 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 very bad for 
um, squatting because they, on top of elevating the heel, they're elevating the front of your foot. And they're very, very, very bad for deadlifting because they're taking you away a, a, a very slight distance, but it's still taking you away from the floor. Deadlifting barefoot is fantastic and a great idea. It's illegal to do in powerlifting meets. So what do powerlifters do? They wear Chuck Taylors or other, you know, wrestling shoes a lot of times. Things that have just the teeniest little uh, underfoot so that they're not separated. There's no lift from the ground. You want to be able to be as close to the ground and, and in contact with the ground as possible on almost every other exercise except for squat movements. Those you want to be uh, you, you want to be a little bit elevated in the heel. Now, powerlifting squats, you can go ahead and do barefoot. Um, I don't. You know, the powerlifting squat is where the bar is lower, putting the mechanical advantage in a different place. So it's okay to have flat feet. But I just like, for for ease of understanding, I just say when I squat, I wear shoes. When I don't, I pretty much go barefoot if I can. A lot of times I'll be in a gym environment where that's not necessarily kosher. And you got to take that into consideration. If you work out in a gym where it's cool for you to be barefoot, rock it. Rock it. Um, but... Be considerate of the other members of your gym. Some places, you know, typical kind of corporate globo gyms, most people are going to be like, ew, gross, man. Don't uh, don't be barefoot. Who is your all-time favorite bass player? From my friend, my my close buddy, former bandmate of mine, Joey Stiletto. Um, at Joey Stiletto, who is your favorite all-time bass player? Well, Joey Stiletto. And I mean that. I'm not just saying that because he's my boy. He's as talented and as gifted a musician as I, I've ever been around. And you know, you guys who know me in my career know that I worked at K Rock in Los Angeles for uh, almost two decades. Uh, I've been around the best of the best, at least in rock, you know. Um, and uh, Joey's as talented, not only at bass, just as a musician, as a musical mind, as anybody I've ever been around or experienced. But um, as far as like more famous people, uh, Stanley Clark, I, I love his bass playing. I always loved, as far as pick style, um, you know, kind of classic rock, hard edge pick style bass playing. I always thought Duff McKagan was great. Um, and the dude from Green Day, it's either Trey Cool or Mike Durnt. I can't tell. There's Billy Joe and then there's the other two guys. And I know there's uh, Mike and, and Trey. I don't know which one's which, though. So whoever's the bass player, he he's fantastic. Um, let's see here. Cliff Burton, certainly. Uh, former Metallica, rest in peace, bass player Cliff Burton. Um, he was just, uh, God, his tone was fucking awesome. Geezer Butler. Um, yeah, the, you know, that sums it up. At Mommy to Irish Twins. It's <laughs> a good name. What should a training journal look like? And have you ever struggled with keeping a meditation practice? Lastly, do you drink coffee before you meditate? Okay, a nice two-parter. Um, what should a training journal look like? Uh, just a notebook. You want to keep track of all the things that you can make progress in. That means you want to keep track of what exercises you're doing, whatever sets you do, and then however much weight and reps you did in those, in those sets. 
Um, it's everything that you want to journal to be able to then go back and look at it on the next workout and then improve on that, whether it be more reps, whether it be more weight. So it's very basic. Um, so there's a lot of great spreadsheets out there and a lot of great apps to do it and make it a little bit more simple. I'm still old school when it comes to uh, workout journals. I love the feeling of being tactile with it and kind of using a pencil or pen on a, just a regular old, you know, two dollar notebook from uh, from, you know, the, the pharmacy or the office depot type place. <sighs> Have you ever struggled with keeping a meditation practice? Absolutely. I've never not struggled with keeping a meditation practice. Ever since I got into meditation, there's never been this kind of uniform consistency. Um, I, I can't say that it's discipline. There's just something about meditation, and I guess there's probably a lot of people out there who can relate to this. If you're a high-strung person, which I absolutely am, I'm a high-strung dude, I'm a high-energy kind of type A dude, it's so hard to keep consistent with meditation because even though it's only 10 minutes or 20 minutes here and there, I find it hard to just sit there quietly. I always can think of, almost subconsciously, think of better things to do, more worthwhile things to do and i'm wrong in assuming that because there's i definitely have 20 minutes of my day and those 20 minutes if i were to do them consistently are going to make everything else better and i know that my left brain fucking knows that but for some reason it is very hard for me to keep consistent and and to overcome the the resistance to stay consistent with my meditation i don't know i don't have any tips i guess i do, i just don't have any tips for you to to overcome that resistance because I'll be quite honest, I haven't been successful in doing that. Um, but if it makes you feel any better, I absolutely, as someone who, who understands both intellectually and kind of anecdotally the value of meditation, I too struggle greatly with doing it um, consistently. Do I drink coffee before I meditate? I drink coffee before I do anything. I'm drinking coffee right now. Thank you, mommy to Irish twins, because your question gave me a chance to get a nice, beautiful sip of the black gold. I, I do. I drink coffee before I do practically everything because I'm a caffeine addict. It's all I have left. Um, I guess you could throw nicotine into that boat. But I don't do drugs and I don't drink alcohol and I don't uh, smoke cigarettes and I don't have a philander. I mean, I, I have a wife and uh, although I'm the horniest, grossest guy in the world, I... I, I can't, I, I I really, and I, it's weird because I will be quite honest with you. I want to fuck every girl I meet. I'm the, hor like I said, I'm super horny and I'm super into women. I, I am a gross man whore, but I don't even contemplate cheating on my wife for a couple. One, I love her so deeply. We have such a great emotional connection. She drives me fucking crazy, but I love her in every way. To me, she's perfect. All her imperfections make her even more perfect to me. And I'm so sexually attracted to my wife, legitimately, that it it does, it's, it's, let me, uh, here's a good analogy. It's like suicide. And I'm sorry to go so dark, but I think this is a good analogy in that I think about suicide daily usually numerous times a day, but I can't even fucking imagine 
at this point in my life actually doing anything about it. Um, and it's the same way with, with sex. I think about it a lot. Think about having sex with women a lot, but I can't even, it's not, it's like saying, why don't I go out and fly? Um, that's how preposterous the idea is for me to be like, oh, I'm going to go cheat on my wife. So, um, I don't have anything else. I have porn, I have coffee and I have my little nicotine pouches. So yeah, that's why I am a caffeine addict. Um, Ranger Ramon, why don't you have a call in line so we can ask questions more in depth? Um, couple reasons. I will give you three, I think, very valid reasons. One is I don't even have fucking Wi-Fi yet. Okay, this move to Texas has been quite the undertaking, and there's still a lot to be desired in my life to get things to be where I could just start adding on. Right now, I'm not in a position to add anything. I am swamped with different things that just need to be taken care of. So, Adding in a, a phone call line to go live with is uh, not something I, I, I'm even capable right now of responsibly taking care of. Number two is some people are, but most people, and this isn't this isn't a, an insult. This is just something that I've recognized with my very very peculiar um, experience in life. Most people are not good at conversing. Most people's experience with having a conversation is just at dinner parties or sitting around with your coworkers at lunch. The difference between that and a professional broadcaster having a professional conversation that is concise and keeps momentum going is fucking vast, is crazy vast. And most people are not capable of keeping a good momentum with a live uh, a broadcast with a podcast, a, a radio show, a TV show, when there's that call-in thing, the, the chances that it goes sour are very high, even if the question's good, because people just, by and large, and it's not it's not a negative. Again, it's just most people don't have the weird experience of having to go through the gauntlet of refining their abilities as a broadcaster, okay? So- in television, daytime television stuff, they can fucking edit it out. In late night television, they can edit things to make it a little bit more concise. But if I have someone who gets on the show, um, nine times out of ten, it's going to be 700% more words than need be, okay? So maybe someday there could be like a voicemail service or a, a pre-recorded kind of Skype call type thing, Zoom call. But as of right now, it's not something that I, I think is very useful for me. Number three is I'm pretty good at being in-depth. I do these Q&As pretty much every other podcast, hoping that I'm able to answer whatever questions you guys may have. On top of that, I try so fucking desperately to answer all of my DMs on my social media accounts. And then the added layer is that I have my Patreon. You don't have to join at a top tier. Uh, I would like you to, and I'm more than happy. I have slots available if you would like to do that. But um, it just join at the bottom tier, and you have a direct line to me to ask as big and long and as in-depth a question as you would like, and I will definitely get on it to answer you in-depth. So 
That's my reasoning, Ranger, Ranger Ramon. Um, I need a weight belt. Any good recommendations? I like powerlifting belts. And the difference between a powerlifting belt and a regular belt is that a powerlifting belt is one width all the way around. It's just a, a, a band, okay? One singular uniform width. A lot of other belts, they dip and they, they have like an, an indent that comes to, it tapers to the area around where you put it around your front. The powerlifting belt, I think, is a much more advantageous tool. Um, and I encourage everyone to use powerlifting belts when they are lifting, especially if you're going to lift the compound lifts and he- lift them heavily. The problem is, is that most powerlifting belts are so rigid and so fucking hard that um, they, they're very uncomfortable and they can end up ruining your workout. They're, they're, they become incredibly cumbersome and, and hard to deal with. So my favorite solution, and this is going to you know, dovetail into uh, at Pool Boss 76 and his question, just getting started on 5x5 programs, any recommendations for a weight belt? So I'm going to hit you guys together. Rogue. Rogue makes a, a very pliable, very easy to deal with powerlifting belt. So go to Rogue's website, um, Rogue Fitness, and look at their powerlifting belt. It is really a godsend. It's the best of both worlds. It provides that uniform width like a traditional powerlifting belt, but it's it's very e- it's very pliable and it's a lot more easy to deal with. It's not so cumbersome as a traditional powerlifting belt. There you go. That is my recommendation. Clearance Hero. <laughs> Tell us about the move to Texas. What made you decide to leave California? Um, a lot of reasons. I, I, I'm not one of these people that's like, I'm done with California. I just thought that, look, I've, my wife and I have always wanted to move to a more rural environment to have a lot more land and to be able to do that and, and to retire to an area where we weren't so confined by the restrictions of property that California, especially Los Angeles and San Francisco area provide you. Um, but I love LA born and raised there. I'm a real LA native, um, from the Pasadena area and I love cars. I love to drive. I'm Mexican. I love the Dodgers and Lakers. I've been a season to my family has been a season ticket holder since before I was born. I love LA, (sighs) but it is restricting as far as what you're able to provide. Certainly for your children, when it comes to the amount of land you can have, when it comes to kind of the the resources that you're that are available to you and the lifestyle i just don't think the human brain is capable of dealing with millions and millions of people in a healthy way i think that we're really we're really designed to have a real close, tight-knit tribe of just a handful of people. And I also think that as beautiful as technology is, I'm talking to you through a digital camera connected to a laptop with a Bluetooth microphone, and I'm going to upload it with fucking Wi-Fi, which is amazing. I love technology, and I think that there's a lot of value to it. But I also think that it can take you away from your humanity. And the appeal of moving to a place where my daughter and my wife and I can just go for a walk without asking any questions and and be in legit, thick-ass, rural, 
forest-like hills with animals running about, our dogs not on leashes, and we come in contact with these exotic birds and sometimes deer, you know, not sometimes, quite frequently deer just running about. There's fish in a pond here on my land. We have, you know, all the um, infrastructure to have chickens and, and goats and we're looking into it, you know, and we're may, probably even going to get a horse and it's a full far, full farm life. I just think that there's so much value to that. And it was so appealing to be able to raise my daughter in that environment and live with my wife in that environment. And I thought it was the best decision for our, everyone's collective mental health. And that was it. That was it. I always was going to do this. I just thought I'd be in my 60s, not in my 40s. And kind of COVID gave us a different insight into what we could do. And then my wife very, very sincerely realized that she no longer had to be tethered to Los Angeles as an actor. That nothing really films in L.A. Very, very small amounts of, of things are filmed in Los Angeles. And that all auditions and things are done via via Zoom now. So th- that was it in a nutshell. I'm sorry for the long-winded answer, but that, that was everything. You know, putting all my cards on the table. And uh, I, I don't regret it one bit. I do miss L.A. though. Um, NRAO. Still trying to manage eating while at business meals or restaurants. Any tips? Great question. It's really hard to manage it um, because you don't necessarily know how much calories, how much of anything, the the size, the portion size of the things that you're given at restaurants. What do I do about it? I don't go to restaurants very frequently. Now, if you work in an industry where that's part of your life, I understand. A little tip. Slam a protein shake, uh, preferably whey isolate, right before you have that meal. That way, you can go in and order something that's very, very um, low in calories and just smaller in general. And uh, you will be able to kind of still hit a really desirable macronutrient breakdown. Um, and it's, it's two-pronged. You can go in feeling a little bit less bad about ordering something like, you know, just some soup uh, uh, or or like a, a salad with a side of avocado. I don't know. These are uh, typical go-tos for me. Um, also, slamming the protein shake prior to going in, it makes you less hungry. Whey protein, one of the benefits of it is that it's so quickly digested And that quick digestion really does, at least for a short amount of time, make you less hungry. In the long run, it's not a very good idea for dieting. I prefer slower digesting proteins for that, um, milk protein isolate or or casein. But for things like post-workout and right before a bigger or a, a meal where you're not necessarily in as much control, slamming two scoops of whey isolate is a great idea. And it does help you feel less hungry and it makes it easier for you to then eat like a bird at that lunch or, or, or that business meal and uh, not have to compromise your um, your long-term diet goals. Let's see here. Who's next? Placid drummer. Reverse grip or overhand grip for deadlifts? I do not recommend reverse grip. That me- would mean both hands facing away from you. I, I don't even understand the value in that. If you mean mixed grip... Versus, you know, where one hand palms facing towards you and one palms facing away, 
a lot of advantage to that. That's the strongest position you can be in without having straps. Overhand grip is overall better because it keeps you a little bit more balanced in your back and your uh, mostly in your back and your upper thoracic. Um, you you know, turning one hand out, facing your palm away in one hand makes it really hard to stay balanced in the upper back musculature. But if you're going heavy and you don't have straps, mixed grip is the only way to go. Um, but if you can consistently do overhand grip, it does improve your grip strength more. So there's there's arguments to both. I like to say do both. I I deadlift mixed grip most of the time because I do want to test my overall strength. I also deadlift for higher reps um, with straps because I want to build my back musculature. Um, and my grip will fail if I'm doing, you know, 315, let's say, three plates on each side. I can do that for like 21 reps with straps. I could do it for like 12 maybe with a mixed grip. So if I'm going for overall strength, mixed grip is what I do because that's the only way to test your true strength. If I'm going for hypertrophy or or for you know really training the uh, the back musculature, I use straps and I I go deeper in the rep range. Um, most people, most of you, do not need to necessarily waste time with absolute strength and maximal strength. I like to do it because it makes me feel healthy mentally um, to test myself in that in that way. But for the most part. I think there's a lot of value in just using straps, even though I know it's kind of looked at as sissy stuff in the world of powerlifting, but who cares? We're not here to powerlift unless you're a competitive powerlifter, and that's a different story. Most of us just want to look better naked and feel good. I think straps provide a lot of benefit in that field. Um, Let's see. Doug's digging it. Can you rehash on gym etiquette? Coming out of COVID lockdowns, I'm seeing people's shitty habits more and more. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I, you know, gym etiquette's subjective. Um, but here's some major tenets to just give you a good idea of what's kosher and what's not. Always re-rack your weights. That's, it's just not open for the fucking debate. I don't care if you say, I work out the world's most hardcore gym. Shut the fuck up. Re-rack your weights. Put your dumbbells back where they're supposed to be, not where you took them from sometimes. Every gym has a little sign that'll say like 35, a little little sticker thing, 35, 40. Put them back where they're supposed to be. If that means you have to move a couple dumbbells, so be it. You're being the good person. You're taking the high road. Put them back where they're supposed to be. Put plates back every time you train. Every exercise you do where you're using plates, put them the fuck back. If you had to get a bar from somewhere else to bring it over to the squat rack or to the platform that you're using, put the fucking bar back. It's not a hotel where there is a housekeeping service. Okay? You are sharing that space with other members. Be work meticulously to be the good member. The one that the staff and the other members go, very happy that that girl's here today. Very happy that that guy's here. Um, don't use machines or squat racks for things they're not supposed to be used for. What I mean by that is if you're going to do some exotic movement and you need that, you know, that, that piece of machinery, fine. What I'm talking about is don't use squat racks for curls, um, because there's probably someone who wants to squat and you can do curls anywhere. Don't use, uh, a lying 
hamstring machine for your ab work because you can do your ab work anywhere. You can, you know, your, your, your seated leg raises, you can do those anywhere. So there's probably someone who might want to do hamstring curls and you're taking it away from them. That's a, that's a piece of advice. I would say also don't ever talk on your phone in a gym. That's one that I see all the fucking time. Um, if you have a phone call and it's an important family issue or business, sure, take your, but walk the fuck away. Give up whatever bench or machinery you're using and take your phone call somewhere else. You're in public, okay? No, no music that can be heard by the other people. The gym is playing music. You can have headphones, of course, if you don't like the music that the gym's playing. But some people bring like, like, like Bluetooth speakers and play their music. Fuck you. I don't nec- I did not sign up to listen to Chingy, asshole. Fuck you. Your music stays in your earphones or you listen to the gym music. No amplified music. And then also don't stink. I understand. Look, some people are sweaty. Um, by the end of your workout, if you're a sweaty, smelly person, that, that of course, I, I, who am I to judge that you're working out hard? Good for you. But like, if you're a dude coming in stinky, it's, that's a dick move. And then, yeah, wipe up your sweat. If you're sweaty, if you're a sweaty person, wipe it up. Just, you know, be considerate, be considerate. Thank you. How do you maximize fat loss when you are limited to pull-up bar, dip bar, light dumbbells, kettlebells, no access to a gym uh, from A. Perez 88. Well, you do have a good setup there. Um, Pull-ups, dips, kettlebell um, conditioning work, and then also you left out something that we all have access to, and that is sprinting. Sprints and, and shuttle sprints are awesome and great And they are fucking so effective when it comes to fat loss. I think that there's a great way to mix um, three-day-a-week shuttle sprints and and sprinting work with, say, some high-rep kind of uh, work capacity stuff with kettlebells. And then, of course, keeping good with your strength on things like um, uh, kettlebell goblet squats. Pull-ups and push-ups. So work those in the the smaller rep ranges for higher amounts of of tension. But then everything else you can do for these kind of like work capacity, as many reps as possible, as many rounds as possible, and in a lot of time mixed with sprinting work. And that's that's a really effective top-notch kind of protocol for fat loss. Um, So don't ever assume growing big muscles, I will not bullshit you. You are not going to achieve your goal. If your goal is to be fucking jacked, you're not going to achieve that with like very meager resources and at home body weight stuff. But being shredded, you really can do it. There's no excuses for for saying like, I I can't lose body fat because I don't have access to a full gym. You can. You can get shredded. You can do body weight movements um, and you can do and really be disciplined about doing them and then you can work in sprints and then a couple days a week also do some long distance very low level uh um kind of aerobic work 
you can get diced. You can get really, really lean. Um, but you know, if your goal, if you're a younger man, a lot of times that's the only people who want to get fucking diesel. You know, if you want to look like the rock, you can't do that without heavy barbells, dumbbells, and, and, and a gym setup. You can't. Okay. I don't care what the, you know, jail calisthenics program guy tells you, you can't get fucking jacked with that stuff. But if you want to look like Brad Pitt in fight club, you really can do it. It's going to take a long ass time if you're very overweight, but the idea of body fat loss with concurrent slight amounts of muscle gain or muscle retention can be done with almost no equipment. If you're really, but you got to work hard and diet is so much of diet is when it comes to fat loss, Diet is so such a big factor that the, your training is almost statistically insignificant, okay? You just got to have that metabolic increase, you know, to really work to increase your metabolic health. But it's all about – you can't – I don't give a fuck what your program is. If you're eating pizza and donuts every day, you're fucked. Trust me. I don't care how naturally lean you are. Um, Let's see. Doing chin assist to work up to a proper chin up. Which way do my hands go? Facing me or facing out? From is chill is chia l spines. I'm gonna go with it. Um, well, chin ups. Okay, it's kind of a, a misguided question because, uh, and I don't I don't mean that as an insult. I'm just saying that it's hard to say which hand which way do your hands go when doing a chin up because a chin up literally the difference between a chin up and a pull up is this this is a chin up facing towards you this is a pull up a pull up is hands facing away those are the only things that separate the two um so your hands should be facing towards you if you're working to chin ups i like chin ups i do pull ups i do pull ups a lot but i like chin ups better overall because they put you in a more natural position um, as far as at the stretch. And then also they incorporate a lot more musculature. Um, pull-ups are really only a lat and kind of rhomboid exercise. Um, they don't involve the forearm and the, the brachialis and the bicep as much or the rear delt. A chin-up hits so much more musculature. I always like to go for the things that are more bang for your buck. You can also go heavier on them. You can also do them more. Um, I can do 22 chin-ups. I can do like 16 pull-ups. Um, it's just, it's just the it's like the difference between, uh, what's a good example? It's like the difference between a cable crossover or a bench press. I can do a lot more weight on a bench press than any than a or, or a dumbbell fly. I can do a lot more weight on a dumbbell press than I could on a dumbbell fly. Why? Because a dumbbell fly almost I completely isolates your chest and your your front, a little bit of your front delts. A, a bench press involves um, or a dumbbell press involves your triceps, your front delts, and medial delts, and um, and your of course your chest to a much greater degree. You can also get your lats involved to stabilize and help push. So more muscles involved, a bigger neurological kind of effect, a bigger hormonal effect. So those, that's my thing. So chin-ups this way, pull-ups this way. Uh, Mikey, I work out at Planet Fitness and only really do deadlifts on Smith Machine. 
Am I an asshole for using that or is that okay to do from more Daniel 84? Um, you're, you're not an asshole by any means. I just think that you're making a mistake. Exercise physiology wise. <laughs> Smith machines have their value. But when you have the barbell fixed on a plane, it makes it almost impossible to do things like deadlifts and squats. I see so many people doing squats on the Smith machine and simply because they're using the Smith machine, their form's all fucked up. You have to find your personal, very unique kind of groove to keep the bar traveling straight up and down. If the machine is doing that for you, then you are now restricted by that machine's kind of uh, parameters. So then you have to put your back and your knees in an awkward position just to keep yourself upright on a Smith. I do not squat, do not deadlift on a Smith machine. Um, A deadlift is really, it's a combination of a squat and a Romanian deadlift. It's a squat from the point that you pull off the ground to the point you get it to your knees. And from the point you get it to your knees, it becomes a Romanian deadlift. It's really hard to Romanian deadlift and pull back when the bar is staying straight up and down because you want to be able to pull it back towards you. Keeping it against your shins from the start and then keeping it against your thighs at the top. It's not really all that easy to do if the bar is staying straight up and down. So just don't do deadlifts there. A Smith machine can be great for, say, like athletic performance because you can put your knees and your feet way far forward and then just really isolate uh, the glutes in the lower back when doing things like quarter squats and stuff like that. I'm not saying the Smith machine is useless. What I'm saying is don't do compound movements on it. Um, At Setharand, would you ever consider doing a weekly podcast with Dr. Drew kind of bringing back the Loveline vibes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love Drew. I'm pretty confident he loves me. On the air and off the air. Um, When we were balling it up at Loveline, it was great. It was amazing. There was some corporate issues with the people who owned Loveline back when we were doing it that forced me and then subsequently made Drew go, fuck, we can't do this anymore. Um, And now there's some corporate issues that are preventing us from just doing Loveline again. Um, I think someone still does Loveline. Now, does that prevent Drew and I from doing a show together that's essentially Loveline? No. But... It's hard to do live when you're doing it in podcast format, and there's something really special about the live nature of it. One of the things that I thought was greatest about Loveline was that it was live, you know, and we we never knew what was happening next. And um, if it's pre-recorded, it does kind of lose some of the luster, but that doesn't mean we couldn't do it again. Drew's a busy man, though, and we've always found it hard to kind of really be on the same page. We used to do Swole Patrol together, and we liked that too. And the, the audience seemed to like it. It was just so hard. Drew's so busy, and I'm, although I'm not anywhere close to as busy as him, I'm a busy guy that has an erratic schedule. I'm not someone who goes to the office at this time and leaves at this time. So it's really difficult, but I would not, I would not rule it out. I mean, Drew and I love working together, and we love each other's people, and we loved doing that show. So I do think that, yeah, Somewhere in the future, um, that could happen. 
All right. Pull-ups are my weakness from M. Rixner. Pull-ups are my weakness. Any recommendations on exercises or lifts that can help me build them up? Yes. The the greatest way to improve your pull-ups is by doing more pull-ups. And um, most people struggle to do a pull-up. I understand that. Try to do them with very low amounts of volume, but incredible amounts of frequency. If that means, if you don't have access to a pull-up bar, that might mean going somewhere to a park or something and doing them daily. If you do have access to a, if you do have access to a pull-up bar, it means doing them numerous times a day. There's this thing called greasing the groove. Pavel Tsatsulin was the guy who really kind of brought it to the forefront, at least in America. And then I've seen Martin Burkhan of Lean Gains uh, has a has a, a program about chin-ups, um, but it could be applied to pull-ups. I've also seen a lot of like functional fitness people develop these high-frequency, low-volume uh, programs when it comes to the pull-up. If that means you're doing one or if you have to use assistance to do even one, that means you're doing it, but you're doing it four to five times a day. And you do that for a week, okay? Week number two, you do two, four to five times a day, all right? Week number three, you do three. But you're doing it every single day at incredibly low volumes, but with immense amounts of frequency. This is something that even the most casual fitness uh, um, athlete can engage in because we're talking about 45 seconds of your time, you know, four to five times a week. But if, excuse me, a day, if you can do five times a day, one pull up for a week and then the next week do five times a day two pull-ups and then the next week something till you'll get to the point where you can't do anymore but after that when you realize when you get to say like week five and you're like i can't do five pull-ups you'll be able to go back and at least do more than you were able to before i guarantee it there will be at least a 5 to 10% increase in your pull-up volume. Now, obviously, you're going to see more market increase if you're better at pull-ups to begin with, but this is something I did. Two to three years ago, it was before the pandemic, I did a high-frequency pull-up program because I was tapping out um, at like 11 pull-ups, Okay. And what I did was I did max pull-ups in four minutes. And I don't remember what it was, but it was like, and this is, you can take as many breaks as you want. It's not like continuous. You can, I would do five, six, take a breath. And then, so it's just as many as you can do with good form in four minutes. I took 20% of that number. And then I started doing that amount every day, four to five times a day. And then the next week I did 25%. Four to five. And then after like eight weeks, I got to the point where I was doing close to 20 pull-ups. Now I'm still at like 16, but either way, that volume definitely helped. Here's another aspect when it comes to, and this is why I like body weight training so much, lose weight. There is a direct correlation with body weight movements and your power to weight ratio. That is pretty much what all of us, unless you're a competitive strength athlete, all of us are searching for a better power to weight ratio. Being stronger 
at lower weight. Lower the weight, body weight, increase the strength. That's the number one thing we're all shooting for when it comes to looking better naked. That's that's a key. That's the foundation of how you build a better looking physique is to maximize the amount of strength coming from the least minimum effective dosage of body weight. So you'll see bodybuilders, professional bodybuilders, um, who are fucking jacked, 5% body fat on stage, but they can't do pull-ups. Why? Because they're 270 pounds. Does it mean they're not strong? No, but it's, it's, it's a representation of how their rather distorted physiques aren't really what all of us are searching for. You see a guy like um, uh, who's uh, Zac Efron in Baywatch. He was doing pull-ups till all the live long day. Why? Because he had absolute minimal effective body weight to his maximum amount of strength, the power to weight ratio. And the body weight exercises are always the best way to, to measure that and to increase that power to weight ratio. All right, final question. Preddy 8 Mike, can you discuss ideal body fat to gain maximal muscle? And do you believe in cutting or massing phases? I don't think there's an ideal body fat to gain maximal muscle. Gaining maximal muscles about your mTOR, your protein synthesis, there's your type of training. That's how you gain maximal muscle. There's a lot of factors that go into it, but you want to, you know, really refine all the different factors. Like I said, your protein synthesis and uh, protein absorption and your training. You want to get a little bit more volume, a little bit less, more moderate weight, as opposed to when you're trying to lose body fat. Um, you want to dig deep, go into those rep ranges where you're getting so much lactic acid and you wake up and you're sore as shit. Um, and you want to maximize your protein synthesis and you want to be kind of carb heavy because you want to be able to train hard. That's maximal muscle gain. I don't, it doesn't really matter what your body weight is or excuse me, your body fat level is it, you know, I think that there's a maximal a a, a a a optimum body fat level to just be looking good. And, you know, to answer your second question, I, I think this leads into it. I don't believe in cutting and massing phases or bulking phases because most, not some, most of us aren't capable of doing bulking phases. What that ends up being is you gain three pounds of muscle over the year and you gain fucking 40 pounds of fat. If you make a living doing bodybuilding, if you make a living doing bodybuilding, uh, sure, do a bulking phase because that's how you pay the bills. You're not going to gain an exorbitant amount of fat because you're so focused and so diligent and so meticulous about everything that you put in your body and, and your, your training style. You'll see the guys who are gaining, yeah, 10 pounds of muscle in a year and maybe they gain three, four pounds of fat. But that's not most of us. And, and it doesn't even really in the long run equal something that we're aspiring to. And most of us don't want to be so heavily muscled that it looks strange. So I, I believe in body composition being the guiding kind of flame for every, every day of every year. And that almost always starts with minimizing your body fat to a point that you can actually have a physique. Because there's so many dudes who are genuinely strong and genuinely muscular, but they're fat. And 
that doesn't help anybody. And it makes it so much more difficult in the long run, especially when you get to be my age to, to put together a really pleasing physique at, you know, come beach day. And there's so many people who are skinny, but their, their body's goo. So I think that you should always try to maximize the idea of lowest percentage of body fat, not necessarily body weight, but body fat. And that comes with maintaining or gaining small amounts of muscle. So look for the minimum caloric restriction that you can go to. No, excuse me. The minimum caloric deficit that you are able to achieve. 300 calories, 500 calories maybe. And train very intensely, very infrequently, three days a week seems to be really optimum in complex movements, train heavy, train strong, three days a week, and have a very low caloric deficit, a very small caloric deficit, have very high protein levels, and get your movement in, your your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Do that and be be patient and do that for a long time so you can get to the point where you're 12% for guys or under 20% for women. Then you can start thinking about how can I refine this? But you got to get there first. I really do think that that's the number one way to do it. And it's the only way people ever really get to that point where they're like, damn, I'm happy with my results. Because if you try to cut too much, you end up becoming skinny fat. And if you try to bulk too much, you end up becoming fat fat. And that is at the, that's at the center of why so many people feel so frustrated. And those are the people that I'm most sympathetic to because you're actually putting in the work. But it's just misguided. So there you go. I love you all. Remember, please join me on Patreon if uh, you want further assistance. I have uh, spots open in the top tier where I essentially become your personal trainer. And I'm open t- uh, and available to you uh, around the clock and all the time. Um, I will apologize to a lot of my clients as of right now because as I pointed out earlier, I literally don't have Wi-Fi in my house yet. Spectrum has uh, bent me over with no lube and fucked me hard. Um, I live in a pretty rural area, Um, but it's going to be fixed. So I haven't been as Johnny on the spot as I usually am, but I really do try. I try so hard to get in touch with you people um, because I, I like it. Of course, I do it because you're paying me, but I really, I'm being sincere. I like it. I enjoy helping people and, and kind of, like I said, making making it easier for you guys to make more informed decisions. So Patreon slash Mike Catherwood. And then also uh, remember that in this crazy mix-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.